with Dee. I'm your host, Dee Luna. I'm a singer-songwriter from Australia and I'm just here to shoot the shit about music and music-related topics. So I just want to say thank you for joining me for my very first episode, which is called Three Legendary Concerts That Shaped Me. I've got to say as a human being and as a musician particularly, every concert I've ever been to has shaped me in some form or way. I guess a lot of early concerts I went to definitely made me want to pick up a guitar. There's something about watching music live that you just can't get from listening to an album and you especially can't get from streaming. It's just amazing, the atmosphere, the smells, the taste, I mean, there's nothing that beats it. Nothing that beats that bass rattling your soul. <laughs> there's no feeling like it. I guess my first pick, well, let's just say we're talking legendary status right now. And this is going to show how old I am, but that's okay. I was only a child at the time, a mere grasshopper. <laughs> but my dad took me to see In Excess in 1990 at the Coranda Amphitheatre in far north Queensland, Australia. Now, anybody who's been to this region probably knows about the Coranda Amphitheatre or at the very least knows about Coranda. So it's just this beautiful rainforest village and the amphitheatre... It's just a very unique experience. It is an amphitheatre in the rainforest. It is absolutely beautiful. And with the lights at night, the whole experience actually is quite incredible. I've been to quite a few concerts up there in that venue and every single one is memorable. Just off the top of my head, I've seen the John Butler trio. I've seen Silverchair. I've seen Wolfmother. I mean, the list goes on, but... <laughs> Some amazing acts have come to the amphitheatre in Coranda. In excess, of course, been no exception. <laughs> I, I feel really blessed to have seen Michael Hutchins in his glory. It was actually quite incredible. I was only very young, but I remember so many details. I remember, like, it's almost so vivid. Like, not, not many memories from my childhood are this clear, but it must have been so impactful it must have been such a significant event that it's imprinted on me for life I guess musically speaking it just blew my mind I mean I was only a little kid I didn't have a lot of experience listening to music or um, definitely not live music particularly I guess I listened to pop <laughs> it was 1990 maybe I listened to like Madonna or something <laughs> But up to that point, you know, I, I hadn't ever experienced anything like that. So my dad took me there. There was a heap of alternative hippie types and, of course, a lot of just rock fans. It was amazing. At the time, 1990, I'd say In Excess was probably one of the most recognised Australian bands, particularly overseas in America and in Europe. Um, they blazed the path for many bands to come after them, but 
they were one of the few original bands that broke through and became worldwide recognised. So that's such an achievement, you know, those guys. They came up with some very catchy pop songs, didn't they? <laughs> I guess my best memory from that is Michael Hutchins. I mean, I left there as a kid just like going, oh, I want to marry Michael Hutchins. <laughs> and, of course, I went on after that to listen to all, all of their albums. I, I was a fan at a very young age. I, I was very impacted by it. <laughs> I can remember him being very overtly sexual in his performance and I'd never seen anything like that before so it was very like edgy and stuff for me as a little kid, you know. I I was just into it. I was fully in the moment, like more than I have been as an adult at a concert where there's perhaps been, you know, alcohol or other influences as a kid, that was a pure experience, you know. I was just there in the moment. It was amazing. I remember smelling Mary Jane for the first time as it was being passed around the audience because this was a very long time ago. It was, um, <laughs> I guess, a lot, a sort of open environment, <laughs> outdoors. Everyone was having a good time. And as a kid, that was just a big party. I couldn't believe it. It was the, f the best thing ever. So after that, I was obsessed with music. I'm not going to lie. That moment changed my life and I went on to pretty much listen to music every day of my life without fail after that moment. <laughs> the next band I want to mention that shaped me as a concert, I'm going to say Silverchair. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot, so I, I, I'm just... I've got to be really picky. I can only choose three. Otherwise, this, this episode will be way too long and no one will listen till the end. I chose Silverchair and I chose Across the Great Divide. And the reason I chose that was because it was just such an amazing experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny story. I bought tickets to go and see it. And this was back in the day where, like, you lined up. And if it's sold out, it's sold out kind of thing. So I lined up. I woke up early hours of the morning and I went and camped on the street and lined up to buy the tickets and everything. And then um, they ended up announcing a second date because they sold out so quickly. It was, in case you don't know, it was Powderfinger and Silverchair. And the, across the Great Divide tour was actually... Um, I'll read an article... That was put out at the time. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> the Across the Great Divide tour was a concept tour by Australian alternative rock bands Powderfinger and Silverchair in 2007. The tour featured concerts in 26 towns across Australia and multiple shows in New Zealand. According to Powderfinger, the frontman, Bernard Fanning, the aim of the tour was to show that both bands are behind the idea of reconciliation. Both bands aimed to increase awareness of the efforts of the Reconciliation Australia to reduce the current 17-year gap in life expectancy between the average Australian life and that of Indigenous Australians. There was a triple DVD set release, which I bought at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it was... Uh, 
you know, for a good cause as well. And they went to heaps of different regional areas. Like they went everywhere. I saw them in Townsville. And <laughs> they made a new date, like I said, because they sold out so quickly. On the radio, they announced a meet and greet. So it was a competition. And if you entered it and won, you got to go backstage and meet and greet them. And runner-ups got a, like a free ticket to the next show sort of thing. And I was walking through Bunnings and my phone rang, so I've answered it. And it was the radio station. And I was like, in that moment, I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> but no. I won the runner-up prize, which was a second night of awesomeness. <laughs> so I won tickets again to the next night. So I had tickets for two nights in a row. I mean, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I can do it. So the first night, um, it was pretty epic from what I can remember. I think, um, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, disrespectful, but I think... The second night was probably better the f as far as silver chair goes. The first night, I think um, it felt like maybe Daniel Johns was a little bit out of it or something. I don't know. I mean, like, no, no judgment from me. I was off my face, so I have no, no judgment at all. But honestly, I think the second night is the standout one for me. <laughs> On the second night, though, it also stands out because afterwards I went to the casino and did a bit of gambling and so did the boys from Silverchair. So on the second night, I got to meet very, very, very briefly Daniel Johns. I didn't feel brave enough to ask for a photo because he didn't seem like he wanted to engage, so I left that. Um, I met Ben, the drummer, and he let me take a photo and stuff and that was really cool. We were just like in the the weight, like the, I don't know, corridor somewhere, <laughs> took a photo. He was pretty friendly. And then I also met Paul Mack and he was super sweet, like really, really cool guy actually. I got a photo with him. Hopefully I can find it and um, I'm going to make this on YouTube available. So if I can find the photo, I'll put it up. <laughs> I definitely don't have the photo with Ben anymore. I've looked for that one. It's so like weird, but it was a long time ago, let's be fair. <laughs> I have seen Silverchair on other occasions. Um, again, at the Coranda Amphitheatre in 1996, I saw them. I have limited memories of that one. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I was impressed. I'm pretty sure I was blown away by it. But um, yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs, especially if you want to remember concerts. The last one I want to mention, this one, this one's kind of a funny story as well. Well, not funny. I mean, it's a typical story. You would have heard this one a thousand times. But anyway, Guns N' Roses were coming to Townsville, it was 2010. <laughs> so in 2010, they came with Corn supporting them. Now, I grew up when new metal exploded. You know, some of my favorite all-time bands are new metal bands and all from that sort of time frame and that scene, you know. And Corn is just one of those legendary bands, I mean, there's no one else like them, you know. They'll always stand out 
they'll stand the test of time basically particularly from that catch of bands from that era in that genre <laughs> of course being guns and roses uh we waited for so long i mean so long so fucking long i think honestly the concert didn't start, it was like an hour and a half or something late. You know, Axl Rose was doing his usual lateness that's apparently quite famous or infamous now. <laughs> um, and the funny story attached to this <laughs> is my chiropractor at the time, I was bitching and moaning about Guns N' Roses being so late on the stage. And he was like, oh, yeah, um, he was having an adjustment. I was adjusting him. So rock and roll, man. <laughs> but um, honestly, on that night when Corn took that stage, it did not fucking matter. Any nothing else mattered. By like three quarters through, I was busting to go to the toilet, but I was like, "Nah, I'm not leaving this mosh pit," <laughs> and I stuck it out right till the end. And I have, yeah had my brain melted my brain melted into the mosh pit <laughs> they were everything I ever wanted or dreamed in imagining I would see watching corn live it was amazing I mean I I've put them in my three legendary because the energy and the power the vibe that was just emanating from the stage and throughout the festival or the event at the time was just incredible it was like sizzling in the air kind of energy you know so that's why I've added them as number three yeah my three top picks for legendary bands that shaped me in some form or way I think, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other bands I would love to add to that list. Um, and even bands that I've just enjoyed recently. I might as well just do a shout-out because a band I've seen recently that I really enjoyed was Wax. Wax is a Brisbane-based punk rock band and I loved it. It was, again, it's about the energy and that that feedback between the audience and the artist you know when that artist picks it up and they run with it it's a good show <laughs> but anyway that's it that's all I have for my very first episode I'm planning on interviewing some cool people and I guess doing some reviews I'm also going to dissect some of my music I've recently released a song called Dissolve and it's, of course, across all the streaming services. <laughs> Basically, I think I'll do that for my next episode. I'll dissect it. I did an international collaboration for that one. So I have all the pieces. I did it through air gigs. So I guess that's my next episode. My international collaboration on air gigs. So there you go. Stay tuned for that one. And I'm excited to do this and be with you. Thank you very much for joining me. Fly, fly with me, fly, fly with me into the breeze.